I probably died, overdosed 15 times. Um, and every single time, this is where God or some higher power was with me. Like every time, I this is the addict thing. Like I'd know I was using too much and I'd know I was going to overdose. And I'd just by luck, sometimes, a couple of the times I'd just walk out of the front door of the flat and somebody just happened to find me. Um, there was another time I walked in front, I dropped in front of an ambulance on John Street, Cabramatta. That was a god job for sure. Um, there was other times where I walked out of the bathroom um, on on a train station platform and, and hit the deck and paramedics have broken ribs of me, revived me. Um. Hi guys. This podcast explores the importance of our connection, well-being, and mental health. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas, and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is for those that want to raise their awareness, change their perspective, or just have a good time. My vision is to help people find reason to live, to grow, and to understand. I do that through this podcast, as well as counseling individuals that want to help themselves. No, 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 he needs to know. I just think he's gonna talk and it's gonna make a lot of sense. Hold up, wait a minute, something ain't right. One man, one podcast, three, two, one. Reason With Me podcast, episode 20. It's time! Welcome back to the podcast. Today I am speaking with Danny. I can't wait to oh, pick this guy's brain. He's such an a motivational, inspiring, and just full of gratitude type of guy. Um, his story is incredibly powerful. It does get quite in depth in he, into his story of addiction and his amazing journey through recovery. So I guess for those that um, I guess potentially might be triggered by some of the content, there is a lot um, of a personal journey for for Danny. And um, yeah, hopefully that you do get something out of it because he has so many tools for anyone looking to add some things to their own recovery journey and and keep on keeping on as as Danny so nicely put, he just never gives up. Danny is a recovering addict who's not had a drink or a drug since the 15th of September 2009. Danny enjoys raising awareness through the personal story of addiction and empowering and educating others about the emotional and social impacts of addiction. Danny's earned himself a diploma of community services and in the process of completing a Bachelor of Counseling. Danny's a senior case manager at Glebe House, a treatment facility for men with addiction issues who are, who are affected by the criminal justice system. Most amazing of all, Danny is the founder of Encapsulator, a secure web platform providing digital time cap capsules, allowing people to record their future hopes and dreams, documenting family histories to be passed on to future generations into a time-locked vault to be discovered at a later date. Danny is a bunch of fun. I loved talking to Danny and I can't wait for you guys to hear about all the positive things that he has to say and the vibrance and the energy of gratitude that he brings. All right, Danny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jackson. Pleasure to be here, brother. So let's just dive straight in. Tell me, who the hell are you and what do you do? <laughs> Good stuff. Um, but who am I? 
I'm a, I'm a man in recovery from drugs and alcohol, been clean um, 10 years, 11 months and 10 days. So coming up to a, a big milestone on the 15th of September um, next month, yeah. Um, I, I'm on, on LinkedIn. I've got um, the headline, The Gratitude Maker. Um, I do believe I've got this ability, at least and helpful ability to sort of make people happy and maybe I've learned some methods over certainly the last 11 years that helped me to tap into the happiness side of life, Mm. you know, because prior to entering recovery from drugs and alcohol, (laughs) a miserable, hopeless, you know, a lot of pain, hurt and misery. And um, Mm. there's something I just did over the last 11 years that's really helped me tap into the happiness side of things. Mm. Um, I'm also the founder of a of a web platform that provides digital time capsule. So I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, a tech founder and an inventor. Um, I work in recovery. I work in a drug and alcohol treatment centre. I have done so for the last eight years. It's called Glebe House. We take men coming in usually from prison or from the community, um, affected by the criminal justice system and also just by, you know, the the use of a lot of drugs, mate. And um, right. basically I... I get paid to teach people how to live. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I, I like that. And I think, yeah, man, you're, you're already making me smile. So obviously you do have something about you that's uh, full of gratitude and, Jeez, and sharing that too. So that's great. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about the, the journey, um, I guess, with your, your, your story. Yeah, mad man. Um, Look, I started using drugs very young, 14. It's not that young these days when I hear some horrible stories working in treatment. Yeah. You know, um, far out. But for me, it was 14. And I know to some people that does seem like a, a really young age. It started off pretty har- harmlessly with a, a marijuana and alcohol, which, you know, improved or increased to um, started using amphetamines, um, magic mushrooms, LSD over the next 12 months and by the time I hit 16 I, I picked up heroin for the first time and basically I never thought I would either you know well it was something I was scared of it was the first time I was ever scared of picking up something I remember sitting in, in the car at the front of this fella's house um, just about to get on uh, for the first time and thinking this is a bad idea now I'll never forget that moment it's funny Maybe I've changed it over the years, but I just remember thinking this is probably not a good idea. And I also remember feeling a bit scared, you know. Mm-hmm. But sure enough, I went ahead and, and smoked uh, heroin for the first time uh, just before I was 16. And that was the beginning of the end, you know. I never basically missed another day of using heroin for the next 17 years. Unless I was incapacitated or locked up um, and I couldn't get it, you know, my whole mission in life was, you know, the getting and using um, of heroin, you know. Mm. So um, started getting locked up in boys' homes at 16 years old um, due to the obtaining of drugs, you know. Um, money doesn't last long. I hurt, stole from family members. I was quite a popular kid prior to 15, you know. I used to... Be a really good skateboard rider and um and i don't know if it had to do with that actually i was just this happy sort of kid i relate and i identify as my childhood being quite good you know i had this beautiful loving mum who was always supportive 
Um, and I believe I've got a lot of my morals and values. And I think a lot of my spirit comes from my mum. You know, my dad, on the other end, was um, a little bit, he was a little bit uh, shonky. You know, that's his nickname, actually, shonky. Um, I learned a lot of the, probably the things that didn't help me um, from my dad, you know. I believe I am my dad, absolutely, you know. Although I'm in recovery now for 11 years, but I go and visit my dad usually weekly or fortnightly um, as kind of my amends process. And oh, it's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's kind of a difficult thing because I see um, one of the things I've learned in recovery is don't try and change my dad. I don't want to change him. It's not good luck trying to change anyone anyway, you know, like, um, nice. but so I just let him be, but I see a lot of me in my dad anyway, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, mate. Jail at 18 years old, Parramatta Jail. Remember being locked up there, got myself into a bit of trouble. Um, and I was in and out of jail between the age of 18 and 28, most of most of that time, you know. Um, yeah, it's just just the carnage of addiction, mate. You know, like I, I feel like I definitely went to the lowest of low um, throughout my addiction, you know, homelessness. Um, mm doing anything to, to get my drugs um, and and I lost all my friends too, you know. By the time I was 16, that's what I was saying. I used to be a popular kid, you know, but by the time I was 16, 16 and a half, they'd all dropped off, you know, because even though they were smoking a bit of pot and drinking too, like I was doing that with them, but I think they'd seen me like, this guy's too much, you know. I was, I went on with it, you know. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, and and then I, so 17 years, I guess, of, of that, I always say that pain, hurt and misery of addiction, you know. Mm. Um, I feel like my rock bottom, I got on the methadone actually at 21. Um, by that time, I've been in and out of jail quite a lot and I realised every time I get pinched, I'd be hanging out from heroin, you know. And I heard, I laugh because it is a joke, um, I heard the methadone, helps you stop using heroin and um and you get on it for six months but this is what they used to tell i don't know what the story is these days but i think it's still yeah. you can get on it for six months you can get a better quality of life you can stabilize and then you can just come off the methadone well i didn't get off it for 13 years so i was on it between the age of 21 and 33 um and in that time like i said i was in and out of jail but i worked out that was kind of the trick because I had no ambition to not be in jail. Like I knew this was just, I felt like this is just the life I've been served. I knew I was doing the wrong thing. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so I just kind of tried to make the most of it. And the methadone is like a, it's like a synthetic heroin prescribed by the government. God bless them anyway. Like it probably saved my life in a lot of ways, but um, I was constantly stoned somewhat. I had that, I used to call it my security blanket. Like I'd have my drink of methadone. Um, of a morning and, and I'd kind of have a, a glow, um, which kind of helped me. Um, mm. I I continued abusing heroin for the first six years I've been on methadone, right? Basically to no avail, is that the word? Like you mm. don't get a result, but addiction, the obsession and compulsion, chasing that first hit basically would yep. continue to make me do whatever it took still on a daily basis to get my drugs, but I wasn't even feeling it. 
now because the methadone gives you a, quite a high tolerance. So that would mean that, um, you know, you're doing it for, for nothing. And then um, I remember Shabu, methamphetamines came out on the street to Cabramatta. Um, hmm. I don't know what year it would have been, but it would have been six years into me being on methadone. So hang on, 21, oh, so let's say 28. I don't know, about 18 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, Shabu came in, which was ice, um, and I started using that, um, and I was getting like this mad result off it, like <laughs> epic result. And um, I so, and being on the ice and methadone, mm. one thing I learned, like I'd have a lot of friends around me or associates around me using ice who would really get fucked up, you know, they get paranoid, really bad psychosis and that. But the methadone, which is a trick, the methadone, you wouldn't get that. You could only go maybe 36 hours awake before you, because I was on a good drink of methadone too. So it sort of to bring me back yeah. down. So I believe it truly saved my life in a lot of ways. Methadone, you know? mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you abused that for the next six years. So when I entered recovery, um, it wasn't right at the end, but anyway, when I entered recovery, I weighed 65 kilos. Um, I looked like shit because I've been using methamphetamines for six years and I was on 120 mils of methadone and I didn't brush my teeth. I had, oh, mate, I, I look terrible. I, I'm a hundred, I'm actually 102 kilos at the moment, which is a bit heavy, but um, dramatic changes. Very happen. different to 65. Oh my god! Like, yeah, that's a lot of weight. Um, yeah, mate, I, I could, like I said to you in the beginning of the, um, before we started recording, I can get carried away in this stuff. That's kind of like, look, let me just throw in a couple more things. I probably died, overdose fifteen times, right. um, and every single time, this is where God, or some higher power was with me. Like every time, I didn't. This is the addict thing. Like I'd know I was using too much and I'd know I was gonna overdose. And I'd just by luck, sometimes a couple of the times I just walked out of the front door of the flat and somebody just happened to find me. Um, there was another time I walked in front, I dropped in front of an ambulance on John Street Cabramata. That was a god job for sure. Um, there was other times where I walked out of the bathroom um on on a train station platform and hit the deck and paramedics have broken ribs of me revived me um and it took me like i said to i was using dirty needles oh so i guess i've just thrown in that for impact because it's just true like where i came from it's fucking ridiculous that i'm here now um yeah so far away from that you know so you entered recovery 11 years ago and and was it up and down i guess like was yeah cool jackson well actually i got clean off the methadone in 2008 right um i don't often connect these two all right so that's when i entered recovery actually so i went to a rehab in um surrey hills is now over at roselle it's called mtar methadone to abstinence reduction mtar right um Best joint in the world because there's no other place. There's one up in Byron Bay now. Um, but there's no other place that you can reduce off the methadone. No one takes you because 
I don't know. Right. It's, a, it's hard work to do it, you know. So I went through that place, and as I was there for three months, I got involved in the fellowships of, of the 12-step fellowship, you know. Um, I remember going to those meetings thinking, because you're on the methadone, it's quite a weird thing. You're thinking, God, listen to these poor people, you know. They're talking about anxiety and fear and sadness. And I was just still stoned, basically, from the methadone. But what happened was I started hearing this message of recovery. Like, I started getting a little bit of hope that maybe I could do that. Mm. Um, I could be happy. and I, maybe. But still, the idea of getting off the methadone, think about it. I hadn't had one single day straight for 13 years. So that also means I reckon I never had a feeling, um, really. Like I hadn't experienced anxiety. I didn't know what fear was. Um, My rock bottom went for 13 years. Like you can say I went to jails, I died, I, I was resuscitated, I was homeless, but it was kind of just a combination of 13 years of shit or 13 years of not so bad as well, you know, however... I depend to look at it. Um, yeah. I ended up getting off the methadone through that place, right? So MTAR absolutely changed my life because I would never have gotten off the methadone, right? Mm-hmm. But I um, I picked up again because I used heroin on day – this is a long story too. It was actually day <laughs> six <laughs> because I actually tried to get on a day 22. It's funny I remember this. But I got ripped off, right? It's right. the weirdest story. But um, really, and but I injected what I thought was 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 coke, actually, right? I thought I won't go to heroin; I'll just use coke anyway. Um, and I got ripped off. So really, that's when I relapsed because if you're sticking the needle in your arm, that's a relapse, whether you get stoned or not, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Sure. But anyway, day sixty, I didn't get caught for that in the rehab. Day sixty. I used heroin again because I kept having this idea, right? And I reckon this is every single addict out there who was on the methadone. I hadn't felt heroin for 13 years properly since I got on the methadone. So I just had this niggling feeling wow. constantly. You just got to chase that first hit again almost, you know, that first stoned. And anyway, I fucked it up. I used, I got kicked out of rehab and then, then I moved to Fiji for a couple of weeks, I thought there was no drugs in feed. They call that a geographical. I'm sure you're aware of that. I tried doing that. Um, I was back within weeks because, and here's an important part in Fiji, right? I never identified as being an alcoholic, right? Because I wasn't. I just used drugs all my life, right? Even though I drank when I was younger, but from the time I picked up the drugs, I never really got into the alcohol. But in Fiji, I became an alcoholic in 24 hours, man. I didn't have the drugs. So the next morning at 8 a.m. I started, I was drinking and it just continued like that for a few weeks until I just thought, I've got to get out of here. This is horrible when I came back. Yeah. To they say switch the bitch for the witch. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Like alcohol in. is a drug. Um, and I, I will do anything to change the way I feel, you know. I was, I was drinking carbo, I was drinking Daytura. That was, they had all shit drugs there, actually. So pot, I was getting stoned, but pot wasn't doing it for me like what I needed. Gaping you enough from starting to have experiences of emotions. Nah, yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah, bro, that, that was my introduction to recovery. Then I made it back from Fiji 
and I got five and a half months up this time, right? Yeah, you're asking like the journey. So I got five and a half months up this time. Um, it must have been the beginning of 2009. Mm-hmm. I thought I was never going to use again. That right there is my biggest mistake ever. Like the minute, right. the 12 steps, right? Step, step one, I'll just share this without mentioning too much about the whole anonymous thing. But step one is um, I admitted I was powerless over my addiction that my life had become unmanageable, right? So the minute I start going, I'm never going to use again, I'm just missing the whole concept because yeah. it's just a daily program. It's just for today alone. Yeah. So anyway, I blew it five and a half months. Um, next thing you know, I'm on my way home from a meeting. I was quite happy, right? This is quite significant, right? I thought everything was good. I was probably that day I said I was never going to use again. I was on my way home, living in Woolloomooloo. There's a, a bad thing straight away. And I bumped into some chick that I used to use with. Um, and next thing, just like that, we're in a taxi and we're on our way to Stanmore to get on. Just yeah. like that, I threw it all away. Just So this last time around, Am I talking too fast? Do you want? No, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm taking it all in, man, and it's it's good. <laughs> Let me know if you want to ask a question. I'll ask I one soon. I'll ask one. Yeah, soon. Good. Um, then- all right, that's good. I've covered what it was like and how I get, got here, right? And um, that this is experience, strength, and hope. You know, I usually, if I get the opportunity to share at a hospital or a detox, we always go by this format. What it was like, how I got here, and what it's like now, you know, yeah. which is an awesome little um, yeah. bit of form. The last time I got clean, I feel like I've got plenty of evidence to show what didn't work for me, right? That time when I got five and a half months clean up, thinking I was never going to use again, I was involved in recovery quite heavily, but mm-hmm. I was really on the outskirts as well. Yeah. So I hated people. Like, when I say I hated people, right, what I learned down the track was that I was just scared shitless of people. I was, yeah. I was so full of fear. Mm. Um, I hated intimacy. I, I did hate that, right? I hated intimacy. So I'm really good at talking shit, you know? I'm really good at going, hey, mate, how you going? They go, good, how are you? And then that uncomfortable silence right there, that, that moment right there is what I avoided completely. So I just wouldn't talk to people i stayed away from people i had a couple of mates who would just talk shit with me so i could handle them but the minute you start getting all deep and emotional and really wanting to know how am i you ran yeah i run yeah Yeah. so i knew i had to change that right um which goes on to connection you know like i know that that's something important to you that you want to talk about so my connection was minimal in fact I used to have people say, Danny, why don't you come to our milestones in recovery? We celebrate 30, 60, 90 days, then six months, then 12 months, then 18 months, and then every year is a milestone, right? I avoided all my mates' milestones because I just didn't want to be uncomfortable. You, know? you have to connect and connection. Yeah, because I get that intimacy that I just hated, you know? Um, so, yeah, I was missing that. I had a sponsor. You would have heard of sponsor before, but I didn't ring him. So <laughs> this last time around, I committed to so much, man. 
They say, they said to me, Danny, you don't have to change much, just everything. And I remember thinking, yeah, God, yeah. So I got myself a sponsor. I rang him every day for the first nine months. Um, I started going to people's milestones and I started connecting with people on a level that I just hated. I I hated it. (laughs) I'm quite passionate, but like, this is how it would be, Jackson. I'd go out for coffee with a group of people. And the amazing thing is in the fellowship, you get emerged in this whole group of other awesome people trying to struggle and do the same thing as you are. Mm. But I'd go for coffee reluctantly, right? And I'd be watching these people laughing and talking. And and I think everyone's got this same story, mind you, right? But I'd be that one incredibly uncomfortable just thinking, look at these people laughing and having a good time. And I couldn't do it, you know? But I've heard every addict say the same story, so I don't know what it is what you see. But um, so I just started forcing myself to do that, you know. So I started connecting. I started ringing my sponsor. I started writing five things that I was grateful for every day. Like, what the hell am I doing this for? They told me to do it, so I just did it. I didn't get it at all, right? I gratitude this. I did a short journal every day on what I did good today and what I could possibly do better tomorrow. Yeah. And then I'd answer three questions out of this book. Um, It's called The Steps Working Guide. It's on the 12 steps as well. It would um, just help me to identify step one, step two, all the way through. There's actually 464 questions in that book uh, by the time you get to the the end of the 12. What else? I started, I found a higher power. They said a higher power, like, the word God used to freak me out when I got clean. And it didn't really freak me out, but I just hated when people would preach. I'd, yeah. I kind of still do, although these days I absolutely identify that it's none of my business to judge anyone for anything. You know? um, I've just got my own personal belief in a higher power. Yeah. Um, they said you have to find a higher power. The only thing it needs to be is loving, caring, and able to restore me to sanity. And as long as it's not me. As long as it's not uh, you. That's such yeah, an important part that people miss. It's not as it's not you. So that ties into my next question, Danny. Yeah. And, and I, be, I believe a higher power is a big part of that because we've got to turn it over. You know, you've got to turn something over to somebody else, it's not myself, yeah. um, because we can't do this alone. So you... you everything you said so intense and powerful and the, the story so far, fuck, thank God you're here. You shouldn't be here from all the uh, different stories. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Be on my gratitude list today, mate. And then, but where, where do you now, you know, and, and along this, this very long road that you, where you've gotten to today and all those, those great tools you did and I imagine still do quite a number of them is that, where do you pull your strength to continue to do that? Look, it's such, so I continue to do all of that stuff every day still. I want to, the minute I start getting complacent, I stop doing that stuff. I reckon, well, this is my mentality that I'll use. Right. Thank God. I think like that. It's quite um, heavy. Like I go to people (laughs) and people go, you poor person thinking like that, but it works for me. But, the minute I stop doing any of that, there's more than that stuff I mentioned as well. There's probably another five things that I do on a daily basis. One of them's reaching out to other people, right? Every single day, I put my hand out to someone, whether they got 
maybe more sanity than me or a lot less. I always like to just welcome every single person I meet with a smile and just go, hey, I'm Danny, how are you doing? And I meet a lot of people because I work in recovery. Um, so every day I do that. But where I continue to get my strength from, bro, there's, there's no, I don't know, it's not, a, it's not a struggle at all. I love my life. I love my work. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't regret nothing from my past. and. My, my life is freaking awesome. So my levels of happiness and gratitude, if I didn't do any of that stuff, I'd, I don't know. It's, it comes natural. I don't know. It's practice, I guess. It sounds like the, I think the, the gratitude that you have and I guess the perspective on life is, is where if you weren't to have that, they, they wouldn't have the resilience and strength that you have. So it's, backing yourself with that stuff which is amazing so you mentioned can can i just say i think this is important too like the last month or two months and certainly many periods in my recovery i'm not good you know yeah i want to acknowledge that right so things happen you know relationship breakdowns family stuff um Mm. Stuff that's kind of out of my control, powerless stuff, right? Um, anxiety sometimes, feeling like shit, depressed. Like I can get all of that stuff happening too, right? Yeah. Um, You're still human, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's important to acknowledge that through those times, crazy enough, I kind of enjoy it, right? It's like I've got this ability to go, all right, I'm having identify acknowledge and accept is a little thing i come up with right so i realize what's going on danny all right um just acknowledge it like fine this is part of life this mm. is one of those things and there's two types of acceptance i, I believe Jackson. there's the one that we hear people say you know danny you need to accept this right that one's bullshit like that means nothing it's the first part of accepting anything but when we can truly accept a situation people places or things when we then I can move forward, you know, that's when it, it goes. So I kind of enjoy a bit of the pain because I believe that if I continue moving forward and my experience has shown over the last 11 years mm. um, that mm. from pain comes growth, you know, I'm becoming a better, stronger, mm. and I'm working out what it is I like, what I want, what I need, what I don't want, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in. It's not well, it, it ties so perfectly into... What I, what I guess I want to move into, Danny, is, is you didn't give yourself an opportunity to identify or acknowledge those feelings. And then now you say you like to embrace it. You know, that makes sense, right? You, you now go, I actually have feelings. I'm actually going to sit with them. Sometimes they're shit. Sometimes they're overwhelming and intense, but I feel them versus when I didn't feel them at all. So I guess talk to me a little bit more, Danny, about what that means for you now to have that opportunity to do that and how does that connect back to the importance of connection mental health and your overall well-being good good question jackson it's all connected to gratitude yeah it definitely is it all comes back to gratitude and when i say gratitude i align three things my spiritual my spirituality, my spirit, it's awake, you know, mm. that um, gratitude and 
um, and happiness is all the same thing to me. Like it's all this one thing. So going through those feelings, look, I'll, I'll add this to, I cry a lot. Like I never used to cry, but I cry almost sometimes it feels like on a daily basis. And most of the time my tears are through happiness, right? Like it's weird. I can't quite explain it. It doesn't always seem happy, but I seem to tear up a lot, right? Um, so that's a result of me being in touch with all those feelings, mm. right? Like I know who I am 100%. I'm always open to, and I love a bit of criticism and feedback from people that I thought, oh, shit, thanks for pointing that out. Like I've learned so much about myself because of my friends pointing stuff out too. But, um, but I feel... Like I do know, I'm in touch with my feelings, I guess. So that helps me to um, to identify that stuff and enjoy it for the good and for the bad. Mm. Um, my connection with other human beings, I believe it's my job actually as a human being and certainly a man in recovery to, uh, I talk about being brave and having courage every single day as well because that's my default. Please understand this. My default even though it kind of isn't now, but my default would be to wake up and not do nothing all day, not engage in anything uncomfortable, that's for sure. Mm. Um, not answer the phone to a private number or a friend. Um, my default would be just to go, I'm, ha I'm taking the day off, you know. I've, I train every day two or six days a week too, um, Jackson. I think that's a massive part of my spirituality too that's the stuff that keeps me alive too i love my heavy rigorous exercise too that stuff gets my indoor it's like my drug you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Days, the endorphins um but the connection stuff it's i believe it's my job as a human being just to sort of reach out share the love and kindness smile be brave and when i say all that stuff all i'm talking about is just saying how you going mate smiling to someone in the street saying hello to the bus driver the coffee shop all that simple stuff that so many people do not do yeah you know? i was taught in supervision um to be the conscious observer right so I, I watch people all the time and i think and this is just my opinion i think there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of fear in society around this stuff people will actually want to be nice but they're scared to be nice because they're worried that they'll look like an idiot or they're going to get embarrassed or it'll be taken the wrong way. That can certainly be one. But I just guess I'm just going to do it anyway because I, ultimately I do everything. This is a selfish part of my program. And I think I do all of this stuff at the end of the day for me anyway. You know? um, I keep what I have by giving it away. You know? Yeah. I think that... That things to you, Danny. I think that that's that's exactly what you shine. What sort of shines through is is gratitude being being a drug in the same sense as well. As much as like exercise and endorphins go, I think the same thing happens with being able to be, you know, grateful for others and grateful for yourself, so that you can sort of be present, be in the moment for today, to then not have all this other stuff prevent you from that those opportunities that, that come up so man i think that 
everything you said sort of ties in so perfectly with all this stuff. And I guess I want to go back to like you, what, what I learned and what, and what I guess how I treat a lot of addiction and, and actually really everything comes back to an addiction um, in my mind, you know, and I think the, the end of the day, the opposite of addiction is connection. And we're so disconnected when we're in addiction. And, you know, you've, you've said that so clearly, like, I don't want to fucking talk to people. I don't want to, you know, have my own feelings. Like those are just the epitome of disconnected from others, myself. And now you're the absolute opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll use, see, that's like, I have to be, I want to be, don't get me wrong, but that's how I got here. So why would I stop doing it? And in fact, like I said, that thing about my job, it's my job. I feel like I've been blessed by the universe to, to remain clean for, and it's a blessing, trust me, for so long or today anyway. Um, so I feel like if I want to keep doing what I've got, keep doing what I did, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's it, you know, because, yeah, I, I talk a lot about my defaults as well. And I think my, my defaults go, as much as I don't like doing them, like my default is to still, I don't know, pull everything out and not really look after myself and do everything for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yours is to, you know, just don't do anything for the day and just, and just have the day off. You know, we, we have all these defaults, but it's about challenging that stuff and then continuing to, to live in the day of the, the, the day that you actually want that you've got to, you got to break through and you know we've had we've had our minds and our bodies this whole time telling us one thing and now we're trying to do things functionally it's a bit like learning learning how to walk again and yeah, totally, you know, totally. it gives really us really good, good results right it gives us such good results right. but it's still like i gotta work on this it's my program and, and recovery is is ongoing and it does take that commitment and that can be hard and fulfilling everything in one so i'll wind down a little bit danny because I, I i know you've said so many brilliant things so far i really want to acknowledge that i think it's great the there's the you know the gratitude and, and i guess giving service and then there's your exercise but besides those things what are your like non-negotiables for self-care like how do you look after you If I get angry at myself, which, like, I often tell myself to shut the fuck up and <laughs> have a go at myself, right? But yeah, in so. the same sentence, always, I'll almost apologize as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So, my non negotiable, I don't know, like, for self care, do you mean, like, maybe what situations I wouldn't put myself in? No, I mean, like, what do you do to fill your cup back up? Because there's only so much gratitude we can give without coming back and looking at, all right, I gotta be, I gotta fill myself back up. I imagine exercise and doing that six days a week is, yeah, a, yeah. is a massive Yeah, one. it totally is, every, yes. Um, so my, my checkup from the neck up, I love that. So my daily personal inventory, right? So at the end of oh. every single day, Jackson, every single day, now I wanna, emphasize that even if i'm watching netflix in bed and i can feel i'm about to crash i'll hit pause 
And then I'll say this little thing, like I'll go, what did I do good today? Which is what I did right in the beginning of my journal that I mentioned to you, right? Yeah. What did I do good today? What could I do better tomorrow? So I, and when I think about these things, I think about my work, the way I treated people, mm-hmm. um, everything, my daily inventory. And then I pray for my family, my friends. I pray um, to be happy. I pray for motivation, for my fear to be removed. So I always acknowledge that I need my fear to be removed mm-hmm. and I pray to be happy. You know, when I say pray, that's, for me, that's what I, like, I've got no problem with saying that. It's, it's an affirmation, really. That's yep. all it is. I think yeah. prayer, prayer for me is just saying stuff out loud, hearing it, and, and making it happen. You know? mm-hmm. um, so I believe that's probably been the most valuable tool I've ever had, and I do it, like, every single day. Um, and it's my way of checking in with myself, like, what have I done good today? Good on you, Danny. And what can you do better tomorrow? Um, yeah, yeah. And, and change it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that takes so much discipline to, to be able to do that. And I think, you know, it seems like it comes so naturally to you. And, it, and I think like you said, you said, otherwise I'll use or, you know, otherwise yeah. I'll be disconnected or whatever. So in the same respect, you know, that, that the fact that it, you don't find it a chore is, is, is quite inspiring. Uh, it's it's a pleasure, absolutely. Like it really is. You know, just step ten is we continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. That's that's where I got that from. You know, um, I just turned it into my own yeah daily inventory yeah. thing. You know, um, yeah. And that and that, and that's the other thing. You know, everyone's journey is going to be different, and and it's so nice to hear your perspective um, and, and how your journey has been and how the story is and how you keep that going. So, so well, but I think, you know, it's not one size fits all at the end of the day. And, and it's so nice to hear the different things that really, really work for you and you make it your own, you know, that's really comes through really clearly. It's really interesting. Actually, you're so right. Eh? Like you see, I see people do it completely different. And in fact, I know people like with double my, time in sobriety um who do half of what i do and are happy you know and then yeah everyone does things different just because something works for me doesn't mean it'll work for anyone else you Mm. know Mm. i think it'd be hard for for anyone listening that does struggle with their own mental health or or addiction um would still be able to pick up a few things of the what what you do because Everyone can use more gratitude. Everyone could use um, more motivation and positivity for sure. So that's hopefully a lot of people pick up on a lot of different things. I know I have. It's been good. So besides the book that I hope you eventually write, what um, what do you think like an inspiring or a, a motivational or a good book has been in your life? What would a go-to book be? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because you know, podcast or, or whatever. No, nah, thank you. Sorry, this is kind of embarrassing, right? Why I'm laughing, but I, I don't read, right? Yeah, I, and, okay. and in fact, <laughs> I don't read that much either. I've read like three books, right? But here's the guy, they're actually sitting over there. I can see one of them was um, Alan Carr, uh, How to Quit Smoking, right? The other one was Alan Carr, how to like stop eating or, so, or overeating. 
And the third one was aligned with my business journey, um, was five, um, oh, how to become a key person of influence. Um, now, if what I can say amazingly enough out of those three books is I don't smoke. Um, I learned so much from that book about the persons of influence um, thing, like just around recovery, just be, about being brave and continue moving forward. And the overeating one, well, I'm just looking around like I'm a pig, like I eat chocolate. <laughs> It's one of my addictions for sure. That one didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the other two, two out of three is pretty good, man. Yeah, that's all right. But I laugh because you know how you see people making video content and they've got that um, library of books behind them or whatever. Lucky you haven't got one there actually. But you know how people often use that, which I think think it's great, but I want to get one of those and just put my three books there, you know, in my bookshelf. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I listen to a lot of content on a daily basis. Um, so I'm an audio audio type of guy. But um, look, just sorry to be serious, I know the power, and I've never read this book, but is it called The, the Power of Now? Who's that by that book? Power of Now, name escapes me, but yeah, very famous book. Yeah, sure. I do believe that the most important minute, moment, um, in my life is is this moment right now you know I, I truly do believe that like if i can nurture and take advantage of every moment but you know this right now that um it's kind of like what recovery is all about you know yeah. just acknowledging the things that are amazing in my life right now mm-hmm. rather than focusing on the negatives because mm-hmm. if i focus on the negatives i'm never gonna win and you know, if i focus on the positives there's always hope and opportunity available. Mm. That's such a nice um, little sentiment. I think I really like that. So, Danny, I'm, I'm mindful of time. I don't have too much more time, but but tell me, what, where can people find you? Um, I mean, you can talk a little bit about Encapsulator if you like. I think that's a, a really cool thing to, to plug because it's such a cool and innovative idea. Um, but just, yeah, just, I guess, in general, like, how can people get in touch with you? Thanks. Um, Jackson, um, so Encapsulator, I'll just give you the quick story. Um, when I turned five years clean, and this, this is a very cool story, when I turned five years clean, right, I was sitting on the desk, at the desk of the opposite side of the desk of the rehab I went through five years earlier, right? So you can imagine, because like, that's the place I've been working at now, Gleed House for the last eight years. Uh, I was full of gratitude. I was reflecting. I was thinking, wow, I wonder what I was actually like when I entered this place. In fact, I've even read my case notes because I worked there. I can do that now. And I just remember thinking, it gives me goosebumps to think. And I came up with this idea to record a, a video message to my future self for my 10-year milestone in another five years' time. And I started the camera rolling. Um, and I immediately realised that this was such a unique experience recording a message to my future. So I got quite emotional. I was answering some questions that I'd done a little bit of research around. Um, mm-hmm. And I discovered that I was talking about stuff that maybe I'd never spoken about before because this ability to express yourself um, without anyone else around, so no fear of judgment, is it's, it's very different. You know, like even if we're talking to a psych or whatever, we've always got fronts 
and ego attached and we're putting on yeah. some kind of show well this was me talking to myself in the future with none of that and um i started getting our clients to use it at glebe house about three years ago we captured over 100 videos and been able to give them back to the guys um and then i i went on this mad trip to america where i discovered everyone over there was like an entrepreneur and i was inspired to come home and turn it into um encapsulated so we provide digital time capsules allowing individuals to um reflect on their present moment and record their hopes dreams goals and future aspirations locked away in our secure time locked vault to be discovered at a date that you choose in the future by yourselves or by your loved ones uh, digital time capsules that's very good let's say <laughs> You can find me on LinkedIn, absolutely. I'm probably most present under Danny A. Shannon. Um, and I mentioned earlier, the gratitude maker is my tagline, but you can get me on Facebook. My um, encapsulator address is encapsulator.io for like Indian Ocean or input output. Um, and my email is admin at encapsulator.io. Please feel free. Anyone who would like, um, one of the things I said to you earlier is I never, if someone sends me a message, I always reply, guarantee, especially if it's to do with recovery, 100%, because if I don't, I'll use, <laughs> like <laughs> I said today. So, yeah. so anyone wants to know any information or want to have a quick chat or if I can help in any way, please feel free to reach me out. Um, yeah, I like that. I'll, put, um, I'll put all that stuff on my website. And yeah, um, yeah I, I follow you on LinkedIn. That's, that's how I, I got you here today. Yeah. And the content up there is, is awesome. But yeah, man, I just want to say, well, maybe one last thing that you would tell someone that's, that's in recovery or thinking about um, entering recovery, what, what would be so like a quick bit of advice for them? Mm. What about like, don't ever give up. I think like it's such a cliche thing, right? But I never thought I was going to get clean. I thought I would be on the methadone for the rest of my life. Um, I had no hopes or ambitions, absolutely not, you know. And I do believe that I kept trying. Like, I kept trying. I went into detox and rehab over 50 times, man. like ridiculous amount. And it was because I had this mum supported me. But anyway, the point is, one day I just made a different decision. It was simple as this, right? Amazingly enough, I was 60 days clean. I was going to throw it away again. I was going to get on. I thought, this is too hard. Mm. And I just... For the first time in my life, I thought about what would it be like if I just got on the other bus and go back to the rehab instead of throwing it all away. And amazingly enough, I've never really come close to using again. That was almost 11 years ago. So I believe the stars and the planets align at this perfect time. And if you're not there trying, you're never going to get that alignment. You know, continue yeah. trying. Um, and here I am. So don't ever give up. Awesome. Would be. I love that. And it's not a cliche. It's not a cliche if you if you live it and breathe it and it's working, man. Um, yeah, that's the case for you. All I right. Love the yeah, me too. I think yeah. so many good ones. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well that's that's about all. I'm a bit sad. It's been lovely to talk to you, <laughs> Danny. Um and yeah, maybe I'd love to love to keep in touch and, and have you back on the podcast to talk some other stuff soon too. I felt that was really good, Jackson. Thank you. Beautiful questions. 
I really, like you can tell, I enjoy talking about this stuff. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show, man. If you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals, go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page. 